Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Tuesday, May 3rd, 2016. I am Michael Agello of HockeyBuzz.com, and I am pleased to be joined once again by the former assistant general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mr. Bill Waters. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me. Pleasure, as always. And uh, it is it was a pleasurable weekend in the city of Toronto. I know that I emerged from the CDC building to see the CN Tower adorned in blue lights. That was in celebration of the Toronto Maple Leafs winning the NHL draft lottery. Um, they will, uh, assumed, they will pick uh, Scottsdale, Arizona uh, native Austin Matthews with the first pick. Uh, formerly of the Zurich Lions of the Swiss League. Um, Bill, you know, you and I have been proponents of the Maple Leafs going through a proper rebuild, going back to, you know, 2007, 2008, you know, the days of Leafs launch and AM640, and seeing them actually do it under Brendan Shanahan and seeing them actually reap the rewards of doing it the right way and getting the first overall pick. It's, for a, a lot of Leafs fans, it's, you know, there was celebration in Toronto, and I can understand why. Yeah, it, it, it was a, it's, it's a classic example of good management. As you and I talked, had they continued to pile up points when they don't count, they would have been second or third going into the lottery. That's a classic example of bad management. So if you have good management, you put yourself in a position where the only way you can lose the lottery is if you have bad luck. You've taken management out of it, and that's what they did. So they positioned themselves to be the number one choice and have the highest odds, and nobody but you and I know that the highest odds were the reason they won, because it wasn't the reason they won. It was just good luck. But I, I felt more comfortable as a former Leaf fan seeing them manage well and give that organization every chance they could to win the lottery. And it worked out, and congratulations to Brendan Shanahan. Yeah, I mean, there was a, there was a sense of euphoria. Uh, it was funny, they, there were videos of the fans watching at uh, Real Sports, the big sports bar outside the Air Canada Center, and when they won the lottery, I mean, it was like they won a playoff round. There were streamers coming from the ceiling. And, you know, I mean, that, that may be a little overdone, and I'm sure other fan bases are thinking that, uh, you know, people in Toronto are a bunch of rubes. But it's a, but it's a big deal. It is a big deal because, as we've seen with Pittsburgh, you know, we watched Pittsburgh-Washington last night. You know, the core of both of those teams are top draft picks. Ovechkin, Crosby, Fleury, Malkin, these are all top two top three picks. Yeah. And you can't you you can't you cannot win unless you have talent like that on your roster. No, I agree. It, it's not a very difficult plan. You just have to look at it and see why uh the Blackhawks have a third pick and a first pick in Taves and Kane. 
they got lucky lucky with uh, Seabrook uh, and uh, the other defenseman whose name eludes me only temporarily. Uh, Duncan Keith. But, yeah, Duncan. yeah, Duncan Keith. But you, you have to have the leadership and the talent. You have to pick well. Now, is there any debate about who the best player available for the Leafs is? Or is this a, a lay-me-down, gimme uh, Austin Matthews? He's an 18-year-old from Phoenix who really hasn't competed against his peers, but in fact has competed in his European uh, B League uh, in the elite division. I, I think there's room for discussion in that area. And I also think that Mark Hunter has an opinion that he won't share with anybody, but if he had his druthers, he would like to take uh, his boy from London, ranked number four. And uh, I don't know that that's just my thoughts on Mark Hunter, but he's Mark Hunter's type of player. Yeah, I mean, if, if the Leafs had fallen to four, to me, there would have been no doubt who the pick at number four is. And if you looked at you know some of the mock drafts that came out after the lottery and Edmonton fell to four, you know everybody thinks that Edmonton should take a defenseman. But like some of the Craig Button from TSN projected Pierre Luc Dubois from Cape Breton as their pick. I mean nobody really knows that yeah. pick may that pick may be in play because you know Peter Shirelli knows that team needs defense and needs defense right away, and maybe they. It can find a, a team that's shopping a defenseman, and they'll make make a move that way. But at number one, it's more than likely it's either Matthews or Line A. And I, Bill, I mean, you've been in this game long enough. You know how it is when it comes to the draft. Somebody's the presumptive number one all year, and then at the eleventh hour, you have somebody says, "Well, yeah, this guy." Yeah, yeah no, I agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not fair to the presumptive number one. Not at all. I've not seen enough of Austin Matthews to comment. I've talked to a number of people who think he's very capable. I've talked yeah. to a few whose opinion I respect a great deal. It's be careful. So, but that goes back to what you just said, Mike. Once it's established, who's got the number one pick? Well, then you start to denigrate that player and try to bring him back to the pack. But I think it's fair to say that Austin Matthews has been the lead horse all the way and deserves to be picked number one, unless you're looking for a different type of player. And, and I'm the, not sure that Mark Hunter may not be. It's going to be a tough sell, though. Finally get the number one and move off it. And and the, the one thing that, I mean, Brendan Shanahan, when he came down uh, from the, uh, the CBC studios and talked to the media, uh, he was very careful and said, well, I'm not going to talk about whether I'm going to take Austin Matthews or whoever I'm going to take. You know, I'll save that for the draft. I mean, he wants to, he wants to keep the surprise of who the pick is going to be until then. It's, I don't think there's much suspense, but I think he wants to reserve judgment. Plus, Austin Matthews, and I want to get your feeling on this, Austin Matthews and Patrick Laine are playing in the world championships for the U.S. and for Finland. And God forbid one of these players gets severely injured in that tournament. It's not out of the question. Eric Stahl got hurt a few years ago, and it may have ruined his career because he's not been the same player since he got hurt. So, no. you know, I, no, I, I don't I, know. But I, I don't, there's always that possibility, but that possibility exists every time you lease on a pair of skates. So you have to live with that. The fact that they are playing with men 
is something that I would be concerned about. But the fact that they're big, strong young men is something that should allow them to to carry on and be comfortable in their environment. I this Lion A is a kid that he looks to me like he might be it. He is a big, strong right hand shot who plays has played with the men for two or three years. You got to look long and hard at Patrick Lyonnais. Uh unless you're completely convinced that Austin Matthews is the power center you're going to need to build your franchise. And power center has been redefined by Jonathan Taves. You don't have to be 6'2 or 6'3. You have to have the heart of a lion, not necessarily a Zurich lion. <laughs> well, the I mean, Lion A looks to be a power winger. I mean, I, I, I never like these comparatives. I think it's unfair to these players. They, like, he's going to be this or he's going to be that. I mean, you know, McDavid was labeled with he's going to be the next Crosby or the next Gretzky. I mean, can we pull our jets? I, mean, I think he's a great player and, you know, potentially a generational player. But let's wait five, six years down the road before we say he's the next Gretzky or Crosby. Yeah, that yeah. being said, they're, they're comparing Lion A to Ovechkin, and now that he's going to Winnipeg, they're comparing him to Tino Solani because, you know, he's a Finn. Uh, I've heard comparisons with Austin Matthews that he's as good or better than Jack Eichel, that he's, you know, he projects to be like John Tavares. You know, I I hate that kind of stuff because it puts these kids in a position where they have to live up to something that you know they have no control of. Just let them no. be who they are and see what they're going to be in after a few years. That's right. I agree. And uh, I, I, if the draft goes the way most think it will, I don't think uh, that Lion A could go to a better team than Winnipeg. It's a young team on the rise that can use Anybody can use a winger like Patrick Lyonnais. I mean, this this guy is uh, he's he's the real deal. And uh, I I I still and we're musing here, Mike, but I'm still not convinced that Phoenix is not going to come to the table to try to get Austin Matthews or get the pick to take Austin Matthews. Well. And, and 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 a few reporters and I discussed this uh, on Saturday after after the lottery, and you know we're just spitballing ideas for the Leafs to have to for the Leafs to trade the number one pick to Arizona, and Arizona is picking seventh. So that means more than likely you're not getting you're obviously not getting Puliyarvi or Line A. You're not going to get Kachuk. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get Dubois. You're talking about going down and. Probably picking an Alex Nylander or uh, one of the one of the defensemen, which is you know not bad. Those are good yeah. prospects, very good prospects. But the difference between that, the Leafs would have to get probably Dylan Strome, their number three pick overall from last year, yeah. and I would think with Mark Hunter, you'd probably ask for Christian Dvorak, who's the center for Mitch Marner and Matthew Kachuk in London, who's a top prospect for the Coyotes. Anything short of that. I'm not taking the phone call, and I don't know whether, well, you know, I don't know whether who. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I agree with you, Mike. If you want the first pick, you got to make it worth that team's while to say, hey, we got to make this deal. So we're not going to be nibbling at the edges. Here's my idea, just mm-hmm. amusing. Only I was musing by myself. I had no one to respond back. 
I expect a call from Phoenix saying, we're prepared to give you Oliver Ekmond Larson, Dylan Strom, and our first pick in return for your first pick, a.k.a. Austin Matthews, and our first second-round pick in the second round of the draft. Now, you could embellish that with another. You might even give Pittsburgh's first pick. I don't know what it'll come down to. But for me, to get the first pick, the first player that's coming the other way is the best defenseman in the league, give or take one or two. He is one. He is one of the best defensemen in the league. There's no doubt. And you know, I've been a proponent. I was a proponent that if Edmonton had gotten the number one pick with you know McDavid and Drysaitel and all the young players that they have in the pipeline, that they really didn't need Matthews, and that deal would make sense for Edmonton. The thing is, is that Ekman Larson, I think, is under contract for two more years. That's like I think it's five and a half million dollars. Yeah. And then he's very, very reasonable. Very reasonable, but then, but then, you know, he becomes a UFA, and you probably will have to pay him in the seven to eight million dollar range. You know, Listen, uh, among, the Leafs among, could the Leafs could pay him in the fifteen million dollar range. They paid for enough seven. <laughs> true, true, uh, yeah. very, very true. But I, I think the the point is is that the the Leafs at that point probably, you know, won't be won't be ready to contend. After two more years, and and that's and that's the thing. Then you have a defenseman in, in his twenty, in his mid to late twenties. I think he'd be twenty seven or twenty eight years old. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it, it, I mean, it it makes more sense. I mean, unless they're not completely sold on Matthews' value and worth, if if they think yeah. Dylan Strom is anywhere close to being as good as Austin Matthews, then they may entertain that. The thing is, I don't think they think that, but I, I don't know for sure. No, well, I don't know that, and I don't. I think that's a fair uh, uh, evaluation. I don't think Dylan Strom is Austin Matthews, but uh, I've heard differently. He's better than his brother, which is not much, <laughs> Dylan Strom. But uh, I, it, it, it's it may require more. I mean, I I'm with you. Why take the best defenseman in the league? For two very difficult years coming up for the for the Leafs, doesn't make a lot of sense. No, no. Let's. I mean, just one one question about the, the the draft lottery process because I mean, for people who are watching it on TV, and I'm assuming you watched, um, and being at the being at the building it's, uh, itself, watching it play out, uh, we were in a conference room on the first floor, not up where the studio was. I mean, it was sort of a made-for-TV event. It was a little bit awkward and certain instances talking to Austin Matthews when he's over in Finland with a 10 second delay made the game yeah. look like he was, you know, it, didn't, it wasn't a flattering uh, first look at, at, at a young player, but the entertainment there, Bill, was watching Brian Burke stew on, on camera when Calgary moved from full, from five to six, the, the human reaction of some of these, I mean, you know, these guys, I mean, I heard somebody say, you know, they like to control things, and they're in a scenario here where they're not controlling anything. And the look on Brian Burke's face when they slipped from five to six, if he could kill, I think he would have. Yeah, well, Brian, from about mid-afternoon on, Brian's looks change quite 
definitively whether he's disappointed or happy. And that might have been a factor. I don't know. But what what was the sense of reacting? It's 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 an area over which you have no control. Uh, you have bad luck. You have bad luck. And when asked if you brought anything to change your luck, you answered rather defiantly, it's none of your business. So he got what he deserved. <laughs> um. Okay, now, talking talking now about about what the reaction, and I'm going to go on the assumption here that the Leafs will not trade the pick and that the Leafs will take Matthews, um, and that that'll that'll please many people in Buffalo, New York, and uh, because uh, as as with most Sabres Leafs games, there'll probably be about 10,000 Leaf fans sitting in the stands at First Niagara Center uh, and ch- and chanting "Go Leafs, go!" when Austin Matthews is picked. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the, the Leafs now are under a situation where they have Nazem Kadri signed to a six-year extension. They have Tyler Bozak at $4.2 million for another two years. William Nylander played very well in the last quarter of the season and played well in the first round of the uh, Calder Cup playoffs for the Marlies. He could play center, but Babcock had said late in the season that he would have preferred to start him in the NHL on the wing. Matthews fits in there, obviously, probably not as the number one because Babcock is not going to put an 18-year-old kid in that kind of position. He'll probably put him as a number two or a number three and let him work his way up. Is there room for Steven Stamkos in free agency on July 1st? Uh, Yeah, but using your theory of uh, aging and uh, what are we going to do with all these guys two years down the road, when we're ready to play, when I say play, play to advance in the playoffs. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I would be, if I was in management with the Leafs today, I would spend as much time as I could uh, with a medical specialist getting information on clotting and what it does and how uh, frequent is the recurrence and what has this done uh, to the metabolism of Steven Stamkos? I think it was a stroke of bad misfortune for Steven. I don't think there's a team in the league that will sign him to the money they would have signed him to before, nor to the term. Because as you know, they have a captive as an insurance company that all the teams participate in. And I think their top five players are in it. They're self-insured. They can't insure Steven Stamkos against another recurrence of the clotting. And so they're uninsured. They have an $80 million contract over seven years with no insurance. Only John Davidson could do that. So no one's going to take that chance. I, I just don't know how this is all going to work out. I, I think it's changed the di- the dynamic of the Stephen Stamkos pursuit, and I may be all wrong. Maybe no, I, clotting has no effect on a young man's future. I can tell you this. It has an effect on a young man's psyche. I, I mean, I, I, think, I think there's some validity to your argument. I think that there are certain teams that before this situation would have been all in on making a bid for Stamkos and maybe, you know, say, for example, a team like the National Predators, 
Yeah. You know, they had cap room. They, you know, they're they're a budget team, but they they could somehow get into. Um, you know, they're always interested in bringing in a star player. They did bring in Ryan Johansson, but I mean, they if you can have an opportunity to bring in a Stamkos, you bring in a Stamkos. But yeah. they're a budget team, and a potential salary of eleven million dollars uninsured may be too much of a risk. You know, a team like Buffalo. Terry Pagula's got oil billions. He could throw the money away, but it, you know, again, it's you know, eleven million dollars a year. Um, if you put him on, you can put him on long-term injury, but that's a, it's eleven million dollars. He threw away money on Billy Leno and Christian Ehrhoff, but I don't know if he's going to throw away money on Steven Stamkos. Yeah, my I, argument. Well, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. No, my my argument is is that many teams may have been taken out of this bidding by the potential risk and the insurance concerns. I don't think, and and maybe many teams would not offer the seven-year max deal now, maybe at most five. I think Toronto would still offer seven years, and I think Toronto would still offer, you know, in excess of $10 million. So that might actually make the likelihood of Stamkos coming to Toronto even more because they have the financial wherewithal to do it. Yeah, I, you know what? They can afford to put Steven Stamkos on long-term IR for six years and pay him $10 million and not even notice it. There aren't a lot of teams that can do that. Those teams that are run by mega corporations can't. It's a bad risk-reward business, except the risk is next to nothing other than money. And if it's only money and you've got all kinds of money, what do you worry about? You might be right. The Leafs might be in a position, a better position, because of the number of teams that can afford to compete with it uninsured. And they're one of them, that's for sure. Sorry, I'll edit this out. Uh, one of the things that Brendan Shanahan was had stressed uh, on Saturday was, you know, the player that was going to be acquired with the number one pick was not going to be looked upon, at least by, in his eyes or the organization's eyes, as a savior. You know, the, all, not all of, a, all of a sudden they're not going to say we're going to make the playoffs, or yeah. you know, that's that's our goal. You know, we know we're staying with the rebuild and a, a patient process. So they want make sure they protect Austin Matthews from the expectation, from the euphoria that comes with the number one pick. In yeah. my mind, Bill, Stamkos is the answer to that because you bring in somebody at 26 years old who's been a leader in the NHL for most of his career, who's a top player, and I, you know, I know the concerns about the blood clots, but I, I, I will take, make the assumption that he will be back healthy next fall um, and you know, Austin Matthews comes in with a lot less pressure when Steven Stamkos is the team's number one center. And then Lou Lamorello has a nice problem to work with. He's got one too many centers, and he can move a Bozak or a Kadri in a deal. Yeah. Now, all of that can work. I don't disagree. And the only way it can work is because uh, the Maple Leaf organization uh, has no regard for money because they've got so much of it, and their concern is get is just putting their player 
who has had a recurrence of blood clotting on long-term IR. That's not a great risk. The reward is better, but when the reward is not connected to any kind of risk that is only other than money, that's a pretty good deal for the Leafs. Yeah. Um, one one more thing, and then I want to ask you about the, about the current playoffs going on right now. Um, the Leafs signed Nikita Zaitsev, the KHL defenseman. We've heard a lot of things about him, but can't really say how good he's going to be until we see him in training camp against NHL competition. There's been examples like Panarin who've come over and been shockingly good, and Ryan Whitney, a former NHLer who played in the KHL, uh, not this past season, but in 2014, played against Zaitsev and said he was as impressed with Zaitsev on defense as he was with Panarin up front. So we'll see how good he is, but it's encouraging 24-year-old defenseman. You know, he may fit into their top six. The other possible sort of ancillary effect of the Matthews uh, lottery is Jimmy Vesey. Now you have, you know, he's a free agent, August 15th. He can go anywhere he wants. Now you have the prospect of, do I go to Boston, an aging team with, you know, Krejci, who's always on the injured reserve, and Patrice Bergeron, who's a great player, or do I go to a team that potentially has Stamkos, if they sign him, Matthews, and William Nylander up the middle? I think Toronto's in the lead now if you look at just that factor. Well, I don't disagree. If, if he wants to play with his peers, like guys his own age relatively, uh, and have a chance to get better so that by the time that he's ready to play three years, when I say ready to play, ready to be a dominant player, if in fact he ever is one, uh, this is the team to go to. The fact that they have no goaltender uh, would be a concern, but you can't have everything. And uh, I think Zaitsev, from what I can gather, will be a power play defenseman playing with Morgan Riley. They'll switch sides so that they're uh, shooting off their offside, and that that will be an interesting power play. And I, I don't, I'm not going off half cocked about Zaitsev, but his statistics and his reputation precedes him. There were at least seven teams who were after him and he decided on Toronto. Toronto, uh, uh, in a brilliant stroke of intelligence, brought him over to visit Toronto in June, which is probably the best time you'll ever visit Toronto, uh, although it's a wonderful city. I'm not at all knocking it, but uh, don't bring me over in the middle of February when the wind is coming from <laughs> Buffalo at about 92 miles an hour. So I, I think that Zaitsev will be a significant add to the Leafs. Right-hand shot defenseman, six foot two, two hundred pounds, ideal. As someone who's driven up the QEW many times in February, uh, Bill, I will, I will say you're right on when it comes to the weather conditions in Toronto in February. Um, yeah. Okay, moving on, to, moving on to the Stanley Cup playoffs quickly. Uh, last night we had Pittsburgh Washington, which is a series that everybody is, you know, I think is most interested in. Um, some have said it's, the, it's, you know, this is the Stanley Cup final or not what's going to happen in June. I, I don't know about that. But uh, Pittsburgh takes a 2-1 lead uh, with a 3-2 victory. They dominated most of the game in the Washington rally late. Uh, Bill, this series has been remarkably dirty in the sense of uh, hits. We have Orpic suspended for three games. 
for the hit on Mata, and Mata may not come back for the, at least the series. Last night, Chris Letang hits Marcus Johansson. Uh, there's talk of him of a uh, of a review by the Department of Play, uh, Public uh, or Player Safety, excuse me, um, of a, a potential suspension. Letang is integral to the Penguins. Uh, a success. He's playing close to 30 minutes a night. If, they, if he gets suspended for one or potentially two games, I, I think it could be a turning point this series. Oh, no question. No question. And you have to use history as your guide. Uh, Tom uh, Wilson tried to take um, a series leg off and use it as a toothpick. He just missed it by inches. And he didn't get a penalty, as I recall. Uh, he was then called by Department of Public Safety, player safety, and he was fined. Right. If there's more than a fine that goes to, uh, to Latang, then there's a distortion of justice. It's, it's stupid. I, I, the guy didn't even wink. He dropped down because he was hit, and he was hit first on the body, and yes, he was eventually hit on the uh, chin. This was not a gutless, backstabbing move that is characteristic of Brooks Orpik, the Buffalo boy. I thought I'd throw that in, Mike, um, <laughs> but I've lived with this Orpik far too long. He's just a distortion to sportsmanship and good talent. I have never seen anything like what he did to Olimata. That was a gutless move. He picks the young kids. He picks those players who don't fight because he won't fight. And he's been through that. He's been embarrassed, and yet he continues to do what he did. The fact that he only got three games was fine. I think the Department of Player Safety did a nice job. But if they're going to give Latang a suspension of any kind for that mm -hmm. love tap, then we've got a different game. And to listen to Mike Milbury, oh, automatic game. At least Mike had the intelligence to say that there'd be more than one game handed out to Brooks Orpik. And uh, Jonesy's, oh, no, one game. Well, Jonesy, you're our expert. One game was stupid. Three games was reasonable. And I, I'm – but to answer uh, your statement about <clears> – <throat> the state of the Pittsburgh Penguins without Latang, no chance. It'll be a very difficult game to win and an even more difficult series if, in fact, they lose them for more than one. Well, and fun I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's, that'll be the, up to the Department of uh, Player Safety, but I've been impressed with their consistency, and their consistency says a fine. Well, the funny thing is, and... They they had time after the uh, the hit on Mata to evaluate what, what his condition was, and you know I've always said that you know the NHL seems to legislate uh, penalties or suspensions based on the effect that it has. You know Mata yes. is going to be out for a couple of weeks, so let's suspend him three games. Johansson came back in the game, you know Sherry, within thirty seconds. Within thirty seconds, so you know, that lends itself to, oh, no suspension and a, a fine instead. But, th see, that, that, that's the thing, that, and I'm not, I'm not advocating, you know, that Latang be suspended, but 
if it's an illegal hit, it's an illegal hit. It doesn't matter what the result yes. of the hit is on the person. Yeah. If it's an if it's an illegal hit and he's back, then it's still an illegal hit, and he, the player should be suspended. And if it's not an illegal hit, then or you know, or if it's not yeah. not severe enough, then you then you find him. But it's I mean. I hate that argument, you know, because the guy broke somebody's leg or because the guy was paralyzed or going to suspend him for 40 games. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, it's incongruous. So, As Bob McKenzie is um, wont to say, if you decapitate someone, uh, you will have a hearing in the morning. It's, it, it's just, it, you can't be measuring it on the effect. You have to measure it on what caused the damage. Was it an illegal hit? Did Ali Mata have the puck? He hadn't had the puck for 7.7 seconds. And even more, I mean, I think their timing was uh, more than fair to, uh, to uh, uh, Orpik. But the fact remains that Orpik took one vicious cheap shot. Latang was coming across the ice after uh, uh, Mar- Marcus uh, Johansson had made a pass across the ice. And guys get hit with their head down all the time like that. And the fact that he was hit on the chest and it ended up hitting him on the, on the, on the chin is part of the evidence you have to uh, consider. But I don't, I don't think it's a suspendable offense by any stretch. Uh, however, if it is, then it's game on, and Washington will probably win game four. Um, just quickly on the other ser- other three series, uh, Islanders Tampa tied one one. Uh, Islanders surprised the, the Lightning in Game One. Um, I think the Islanders had the advantage coming off the overtime victory uh, over Florida, and Tampa had been out of uh, action for almost a week, so there was a, maybe a little rust. But they came, they charged back in the second half of that game, and then won Game Two. Um, Bill, I picked Tampa. I mean, I, no, no slight against the Islanders. They, I think they have the best player in the series in John Tavares, but I, I expect Ben Bishop to play a lot better than he did in game one, and I think that Tampa is the deeper team. What are your thoughts in this series? Uh, I, that's the way I felt. I was, uh, I was shocked when the Islanders beat the Panthers, and I think they were beaten by goaltending and coaching. Goaltending in the form of Thomas Grice, and goaltending in the form of a below-normal Roberto Luongo, and coaching in the form of Jack Capuano, and in Gerard Gallant, who did nothing but nothing to help his team. And I was disappointed because Gallant has done a nice job with that team, but he was just about as useless as a coach as anyone I've ever seen behind a bench. And I, like I thought they were going to have to take the a timeout and get all of the Islanders' arms pumped up because they were shooting the puck so much. I mean, they couldn't score. Uh, And Thomas Grice is okay, but he's not that good. And there was no changes of... I I just... I I found that Gallant left his team too far uh, to the point where they fell into frustration. And you can't allow that. you got to... Like Barry Trotz switched it up in the third period yesterday. He... He had to get something going. It was pretty apparent to him. But, you know, that Florida team is a young, uh, vigorous, talented team that ended up falling right into the trap that that, uh, Capuano had set for them. And that was it. 
that's how they lost. And uh, I, I think Jack Capuano in this series has got his hands full because he's playing a more talented, more experienced team with a coach who knows what he's doing. Uh, St. Louis and Dallas are tied one game apiece. St. Louis wins game two on an overtime goal by David Backus. Um, fairly even series, really hard fought. Um, I, I picked St. Louis in the series because I had, had concerns about Dallas's defense and their goaltending, and I think the goaltending concerns you know, re- have already reared their head in the series. Letman plays really good in game one, gets yanked after the first period in game two, and they go to Antoniemi. I mean, can can a team win a Stanley Cup with two goalies? It hasn't happened since Carolina in 06, and that was a weird year. Yeah, that was a weird year, and the second goalie never saw the ice after the uh, second game in Montreal, as I recall. But, uh, yeah, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, St. Louis has to realize that they, at, at some point they have to pace themselves. They can't be going 90 miles an hour all the time. That doesn't mean that they have to change their style. They just have to be aware of the fact that you go like that for two periods, you're going to have a tough time going through the whole game. And look at Washington against Pittsburgh. They unloaded. They were, they were fit, fit to be tied in the third period. Alexander Ovechkin was running over everybody. And so was everybody else that's generally afraid to do it. But if they played that way for three periods, nobody beat Washington. Nobody. And I, I, I just think that St. Louis, if they, if they keep their, their thoughts about them and what they're trying to do and how they're trying to do it without trying to move the boards back five or six feet, they might just be able to handle Dallas. I pick St. Louis as well. So I'm not surprised when they win a game. Uh, I am surprised when they lose because – uh, they're they're uh, they're a very hard working team, uh, and I don't want to say they work too hard because that's uh, that's not exactly what you look for. Uh, you'd like to have a team work too hard all the time, but sometimes they run out of gas, and uh, they've done it a few times. And uh, any team that can beat Chicago in a best of seven is a pretty good hockey club. Now, Alex Pietrangelo is, is proving himself to be one of the best defensemen in the NHL the way he's played in the playoffs and. If Tarasenko could play more than 18 minutes a night, I think he would show even more that he's one of the best forwards. But Ken Hitchcock still doesn't trust him to be out there in defensive situations, and he's limited his minutes. If there's, if there's a bit of a chill going on in that team when uh, uh, you know, Tarasenko walks by uh, Hitchcock going to, the, going to the locker room, but they may win in spite of, in spite of that, those concerns. Um, the other, the final series is San Jose and Nashville. San Jose up two nothing, and you know San Jose notoriously during the regular season was not a good home team, but they win two at home, go to Nashville, and they were the I think I believe they were the best road team in the NHL. I think if they get a split in Nashville, this series is over. Yeah. Uh, you know the team, the team that everybody had predicted for years to do something, Bill, you know, and I've dubbed them like the biggest choker in a year of chokers. You know, the, 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 those those teams that have choked have finally gotten by the first round. San Jose may go to the final the way they're playing. Oh, I think so. You know, if you look at the finals over the past six or seven years, I hope I've encompassed all. The team that surprised me the most being in the finals, inexplicably, was the New Jersey Devils. 
The coach of that team was Peter DeBoer. Peter DeBoer is one of the most underrated coaches in the NHL. And when I was making my predictions for the playoffs, which, you know, they're fun, uh, I said, well, I got to pick L.A., but I want to warn you, beware of a Peter DeBoer coach team. They're going to cause somebody some hard, and maybe it's a seven-game series against uh, Los Angeles. I didn't call a win, nor did I intend, because I called L.A. to win. But the fact remains that when Peter DeBoer is behind the bench, you know that that team is going to be very well prepared, technically sound, and have a plan to beat the guy that's across the ice from him. And that's what Peter DeBoer has done. I, I, I know Peter through... Uh, Friends of well, Jim Rutherford uh, had Peter coaching uh, in Windsor, and uh, Peter played there as well. Uh, I just, I just think he's a very, very capable coach, and he's getting his big stage to play on. And I think he'll go back to the Stanley Cup Finals. And I think then and only then will people say, "Hmm, he's been here twice. We better have a look at him as a coach." Yeah, he was he was my plan B if the Leafs had not uh, hired Babcock last year. I mean, former Leafs draft pick, um, you know, went to the finals in New Jersey. He's an excellent coach in the OHL and in the NHL. Um, and, you know, right now, in, in a sense, I, there's a lot of Leafs connection to San Jose. You've got Steve Spott, the former Marlies head coach and assistant coach on DeBoer's staff, and James Reimer, Roman Pollock, Nick Spalling, all former Leafs from this year on that team. So, yeah. Uh, that may that may be the team that the city of Toronto sort of adopts in terms of who they're rooting for, and uh, if they get to the Stanley Cup final. And plus, the Leafs actually would benefit if the San Jose Sharks get to the Stanley Cup finals. Their pick that they get in the Reimer deal would go up to a third round pick if they go to the Stanley Cup final. So there's some motivation there for Leaf fans to root for San sure. Jose. Yep, yeah, and well, that's uh, that's a good deal when you can when you have. Uh, a move up on your uh, a contingency move up based on you making the Stanley Cup final out of the Western Conference. You got to do very well to get there. Yeah, I don't think many people plan on Anaheim, LA, and Chicago all losing in the first round. But strange things happen in the playoffs, as we yep. know, Bill. Yeah, that's why they play Bill, the games. Yeah, exactly. Well, Bill, thank you very much for joining me once again. Uh, we'll definitely have you on before the uh, the NHL draft, which will be here in Buffalo on. June 24th and 25th. I'm sure that, as I said, many Lee fans will be coming down to QEW in their blue and white regalia to uh, greet yeah, Austin the, Matthews. It's a big own. day. I was, I was in the, uh, I think it was the convention center in Toronto when the Leafs picked Wendell Clark. I th- I'm trying to think of whether I was on the radio. I was on the radio at that time, yeah. Yeah, and, you were. Uh, yeah, so uh, I was doing the color with the Leafs, but that's the last time the Leafs pick number one, as we know, and it'll be a big day for everybody, particularly those people who come down from Buffalo in their convertible. <laughs> for Bill Waters, this is Michael Agello of HockeyBuzz.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.